There it goes, deep into center field, way, way back goes Matty Alou, and that ball is in astro orbit. Oh, did he hit it. To straightaway center field, it is 457 feet, and Wynn hit it over that point in center field. A three-run home run is 25th of the year. And the little dynamo, the toy cannon, now has 76 runs batted in of the year. What a shot. Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. The voice you heard off the top was Harry Callis. And, of course, he was calling a tape measure 457-foot blast at Ford Field by Astros legend Jimmy Wynn, who passed away yesterday at age 78 and this episode will honor him and you'll hear an interview i did with the toy cannon a few years ago as always thanks for listening to the best houston sports podcast joining me is greg lucas longtime astros broadcaster and greg i know it's more than just a professional relationship you had with jimmy over the years you really got to know him and i just to start off with tell me a little bit about jimmy Wynn and the guy that you got to know personally over the years Jimmy was a great guy. He really was. I mean, uh, I got to know him after his career was over. I was not here during the period that he was an Astro, but uh, uh, I was following what was going on and, and the fact that the toy cannon could really hit the baseball a long way uh, during the peak of his career. Uh, but I got to know him after I came here and started working uh, uh, baseball, and particularly with the Astros back in 95, because uh, we shared some of the time out in the left field area where we had game uh, shows uh, for Astros games. Kevin Eschenfelder worked with him the most because he was the, the host of that show, and uh, the rest of us uh, would fill in and so on and so forth. But Jimmy and I worked together, got to know him pretty well, talked with him a lot. Uh, he was just so popular with the fans. I mean, uh, you get out there where you're exposed to the public, and everybody wanted Jimmy Wynn's autograph. Everyone wanted to talk to Jimmy Wynn, and Jimmy Wynn was gracious and was always out there with them. He was starting to have uh, some significant physical problems, though, even then. He had trouble getting around because he'd had some hip and back problems that uh, had been with him for a while. And so uh, he normally during the game, he'd just sit in the stands out there in the left field corner where he didn't have to go so far uh, to get to the uh, the broadcast position we had in left field. He just watched the game out there instead of coming all the way into the press area where he could have a little more comfortable seat and some free food. But uh, he would stay out there and uh, fans would be around him the whole time. Because a lot of little kids, young fans that didn't really know Jimmy Wynn, but boy, mom and dad did, and he was such a personable guy, knew the game, loved to tell stories, and uh, I remember the great times of Jimmy. The, the sad last year, year and a half was kind of rough, but the vast majority of his life was uh, was filled with joy. Yeah, and I'll just uh, piggyback on what you said, because I know a couple of our previous Houston Sports Talk guests talked about Jimmy on Twitter. Everybody, of course, knows who Julie Morales is, who, who does the broadcast right now, and she said Jimmy was her favorite Astro. She said he was sassy. He would tell it like it is. He watched every game when the Astros were even awful and talked about the glimpses of brilliance from George Springer. He'd call the studio, leave her messages with tidbits or questions he had about the broadcast. Seeing him at the park, she said, when he was inducted into the Astros Hall of Fame, had her and Kevin Eschenfelder both in tears. And Julia said that she enjoyed about learning about his remarkable career and how many home runs he would have hit at Minute Maid Park that he would have more than Hank Aaron back, did back in 1967. And, and I'm sure you're going to get into that story, Greg, but also Reed Ryan said he took part in every Astros community event that uh, 
was sent his way, and he was a true Astros icon. And let me just get to his career, Greg, because he started his career in the Reds organization as a third baseman, but was quickly drafted by the Colt 45s in the 62 expansion draft. His final career stats, 250 with an 802 OPS, 291 home runs, 964 RBIs, 225 steals, played in 11 of his 15 years in Houston, three-time All-Star, of course, Astro Hall of Famer in his entire career. And this is my favorite stat, Greg. In his entire career, he only struck out 203 more times than he walked. Oh, well, no, he was uh, he was a great on-base guy. I mean, his batting average doesn't impress a lot of people, but uh, he got on base. He was a guy that if you were the opposition pitcher, you pitched around. You didn't get you tried very hard not to give him anything to hit because frankly, for much of his career, there wasn't much power in the Astros lineup and of course when you add the Astrodome and its larger dimensions that it played to back in those days. Uh, that really emphasized how dangerous he was and uh, that's why he did draw a lot of walks. He was uh, he knew how to get on base and of course if he didn't hit a double he could get a double because he could walk and steal second base. He was uh, he was much more valuable a dangerous hitter than maybe even some of those numbers show. Also this is a great stat. He had the highest war of any player to never receive a single Hall of Fame vote. Should he have received some Hall of Fame votes or Hall of Fame consideration, Greg? I mean, I think his numbers would be more impressive maybe today than they were back then. Uh, perhaps. I'm not going to go that far. I, I don't think he was a Hall of Famer, but I do think that, uh, of course, I don't think much of war anyway. As you know, we've talked before. I, I think that's a, a contrived statistic. But the fact is, he was a very good player, but I, I, I don't think I would have put him up in that category. Now, getting uh, some Hall of Fame votes, yeah, that wouldn't have been bad because for a number of years he was one of the most dangerous hitters in the uh, in the National League. Cool thing also is the upper deck home run seat that Jimmy Wynn hit 50 years ago in 1970 is scheduled to go on display in the Astros Hall of Fame alley this year. And a couple of more interesting facts: uh, while he was in high school in Cincinnati, he played against Roger Staubach in football and Pete Rose in baseball. Uh, he hit the 100th home run in all-star game history off fight a blue. And there's a great little story in Brian McTaggart's book that his dad told him when he was a kid, quote, Jimmy, if you want to drive a Chevy someday, you'll need to become a really good singles hitter. But if you want to drive a Cadillac, you need to become good at hitting home runs. Well, he certainly was very good at hitting home runs, and, and it's not just sneaking him over the fence either, as you indicated, the, the upper deck ball in the dome, the dome that he hit in Cincinnati that went uh, in the direction of where he grew up uh, over, a, over a freeway, the, uh, the home run in Pittsburgh. Tremendous power for, for his size, but tremendous power for anybody's size. He, he could just hit the ball, and he could hit it very, very hard and very, very long. Yeah, when he was a kid, you talk about growing up in Cincinnati, he lived really close to Cross. Field so close that some of the red players had to come down his street on the way to the ballpark. The red players got to know him, and one day Veda Pinson stopped by at his house driving Frank Robinson's white Thunderbird convertible and took him to the ballpark for a tour. 
And Robinson also gave him his baseball glove. Had, had you heard that story before? Well, yes, and it got to be where more than once he went into the ballpark with those two players. They just took him in. So, yeah, he uh, he had a good relationship when he was just a young kid with both Frank uh, Robinson and Data Pinson, who were two of the greatest Reds players that they ever had. And Frank, of course, a Hall of Famer. Yeah, a couple other little fast facts on him that he was once traded from the Dodgers to the Braves for a package that include current Astros manager Dusty Baker. Uh, Also, his last career home run was with the Yankees on opening day at Yankee Stadium in 1977. It was a 435-foot shot to straightaway center field. Of course, that's how he would go out, Greg. I mean, that's like you said, it was those tape measures. It wasn't just he was hitting home runs. They were tape measures. And you had to hit tape measure shots because you were hitting in the Astrodome usually. Well, yes. And, you know, he he had great uh, respect for George Steinbrenner, too, because he got a World Series ring for that 77 year. And he wasn't with the team that long. And that was back in the day where they were a little more parsimonious with handing out World Series rings than they are now. And he was very grateful that he got one for that year because uh, that was his chance now this isn't all Astros time because he he uh, switched a few different teams uh, towards the end of his career before a shoulder injury cut it short but between 1965 and 76 and like I said some of this was with other teams the Dodgers included had a great year with the Dodgers uh, towards the back end but only seven players during that time hit more home runs than Jimmy Wynn did six of them were Hall of Famers including Hank Aaron Willie Stargell Willie McCovey, Billy Williams, Dick Allen, Harmon Killebrew, and Frank Robinson. This is that's incredible. No, he was, as I said, he was extremely dangerous when he was in the lineup for anybody, actually, because of his great power. And until he did start having injuries, you know, he, he had the great speed to go with it. He had a great throwing arm. He could play defense. Uh, he was the center fielder for the Astros when Cedeno came up, and they moved Cedeno to center field because he was a little bit quicker. But there are those that played on the team in those days that said actually that was a mistake because uh, Jimmy was actually still a better center fielder than Savino. And Savino actually would have preferred to play right field anyway because that's where his uh, his idol Roberto Clemente had played. But Jimmy made the moves. He was played the left field a little bit, right field a little bit, and much less center field once Savino got here. But he was a uh, a center field type caliber player. Is the Toy Cannon the best nickname in Astros history? Is is that a, a done deal? <laughs> yeah, I think in Astro history it has to be. Has to be. You know, sports writer dubbed him that, and it caught on, and it was a, a wise catch. I think you're right. It's got to be the best. Couple of trivia trivia questions for you. His number twenty four is retired. Who was the last Astro to wear number twenty four? Do you know this? Oh boy, that's a good one. I don't because I think that he it was held out. Well, you're going to tell me whether I'm right, but I later I think that sometimes the equipment guy would hold out numbers even if they weren't retired. And I don't know if his was one of those or not. Who was the last one? It's Jason Lane. I think he was back maybe right when they retired him was around 2005. Does that sound correct? It may have been held out for a few years, but Jason Lane would have been far enough away that uh, perhaps by then they didn't worry about it. Another trivia question I got for you. Which Tom Hanks movie is Jimmy Wynn in? Oh, boy, Tom Hanks movie. Uh, I died that one. I don't know either. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta think Houston here because, uh, actually they showed some footage of him rounding third base in Apollo 13. Apollo 13. Okay. Wow. 
I, I would have, I would have, I wouldn't have been a Tom Hanks movie. I would have thought maybe he snuck into the Bad News Bears, even though Bob Watson is more noted for that one. But uh, that one I did not know at all. Yeah, Bob Watson. Yeah, he was in the Bad News Bears movie. Jimmy, uh, you know, just a lot of great tributes on Twitter. Uh, Dave Raymond, former Astros voice, said, quote, in my line of work, you meet and work with a wide variety of folks. Not too many could measure up to Jimmy Wynn. The toy cannon was larger than life on and off the field. Beautiful human being, unquote. So, I mean, I'm sure you knew so many people that felt like they knew him so well, Greg. And I mean, you know, he, he would go to the Sabre meetings all the time. I remember going to a couple with you and, and, and Jimmy was there quite a bit, right? Yeah, until it got too rough for him. I think the last one he appeared uh, at was a special meeting that we had for the late Bill McCurdy, who had written the book, Toy Cannon, about Jimmy Wren. Uh, we had a kind of surprise birthday retirement meeting for McCurdy, and Jimmy was there. But by then, Jimmy was having a lot of t- trouble getting around. He'd had some surgeries that were hopefully going to correct his uh, his problems with his uh, back and legs, and they, they didn't really work. And then uh, toward the end, in about the last, I would say, year and a half, uh, he he just went downhill. I think the fans. That's why you mentioned uh, uh, Kevin and and uh, you know crying a little bit when he saw him at the re- the uh, Hall of Fame thing because by then it was very difficult to get him to agree to speak, let alone to uh, appear in public. And the Astros uh, fortunately were able to get him to come to that induction ceremony. But uh, by then he was uh, he was not in good shape. And then uh, some of the people that knew him very very well, much better than I, tried to make contact with him in the last uh, few months and uh, uh, they wouldn't return calls they wouldn't come to the door and it was uh, it was sad that it had to be a tough ending but at least now he's uh, he's in a better place and we'll all remember him more for what he was during his baseball career and his career as a human being than the fact that it was a tough ending for him last thing I wanted to ask you about because you didn't come to Houston and start covering the Astros until the 80s after Jimmy retired like you said earlier and I, the, you know, it was not like the, it is now where you see guys on television. You get so you have such access to seeing players on television. That time you had maybe game of the week and that was, do you remember Jimmy playing? Do you have memories of him uh, in an Astros oh, oh, uniform yeah. play? No, in fact, I, I'm, I'm, I know I saw him play because in 1970, when I was in the Army at Fort Sam Houston, I drove over here to see the Astrodome. And uh, this was, how old was this? Well, I-10 didn't exist. I had to take 90 all the way over from San Antonio. And uh, Jimmy was playing. that, and, and I remember him, and I knew who he was. I Sadly, that's one of the few places I don't recall keeping a scorecard, so I don't remember the details. They were playing the Reds because that was my boyhood favorite team. And, of course, they were the big red machine back in 1970. And I remember that, but I don't remember... Uh, I don't remember specifics about anything he did, but I do know I did get to see him play. Well, thanks so much for joining me for this, and I, I, I really appreciate it. And I know the, the you know, this connection that you've had with Jimmy over the years. You've been around him uh, so much, both uh, when you were a broadcaster and then afterwards. Like I said, you know, you got to see him occasionally. So uh, I, I know he's somebody that uh, so many Astros fans would miss. And he just like you, I think you said it best when you're talking about what just what a great ambassador he was. When we were talking about that right off the top. A great ambassador, and here's the thing also to remember. His records have been broken, but he was the first to set them, and you can only be one first. He was the first power hitter in the Astros. There'll be other guys hitting more, already have, but no one else will be first. Jimmy Wynn was that.
Fantastic. And, and I just want to say that, uh, like I said, off the top, uh, I talked to Jimmy a few years ago, and I'm going to throw it to my conversation in just a bit. But I also want to let everybody know that we're planning to record a show with Steve Sparks Sunday night. So keep an eye out for that. We, we'll talk a little bit more about Jimmy in that one. And Steve Sparks, always a blast. Don't forget our Throwback Thursday show while you're looking for ways to pass the time in the next few weeks. If you missed it, we just had a tribute to Nolan Ryan. Speaking of Astros legends, uh, you can listen to stories from Kevin Bass, Bob Aspermani, Kenny Hand, Mickey Herskowitz, and Nolan biographer Rob Goldman. Now to my conversation with the Toy Cannon, who I spoke to on the 50th anniversary of the Astrodome. Back in 2015, there was a celebration out at Minute Maid. So I got a chance to talk to him there, and we didn't get into his career because I, I just didn't have an idea that I'd get a chance to speak with him that night. But after our chat, you'll hear his famous historic blast at Crosley Field, uh, the blast which was... Back in 1967, it cleared the 58-foot scoreboard in left center and landed on Interstate 75 outside the stadium, which, of course, was right down the street from where he grew up. I started off my conversation by asking him what he remembered about the construction of the Astrodome. Oh, it was great. Uh, you know, any time that we went to batting practice, the infield practice, we saw the dome out, out you know, up, uh, outside the left field fence being built. And we're just hoping and praying that it comes real a lot sooner than it did. But it was great uh, seeing the place, uh, seeing how it was uh, uh, fortitude, how how they were building it, and how round and beautiful it was. You were a shortstop, if I remember, the year before they went into the Astrodome and they moved you to center field. So you're not only you're going from outdoors and playing on grass, but you're going from indoors. It starts off as grass in the Astrodome, but that was a big change, wasn't it, for you? Oh, yes. Uh, that's really why when they found out that they had a shortstop named Sonny Jackson going to take over my spot, they made me out of center fielder mainly because uh, they needed one real bad. And by taking 200 fly balls every day for the solid two weeks in the uh, Oak Coast Stadium really made me a pretty good outfielder. You go to the Astrodome the first time you walked in the building. What did you think? Was it the first time you saw it? Was, was that the first game that was played there? Or did, did you guys walk through it beforehand after it was finished up? Uh, I think we walked through it before. I think we had a, a day off where we went in, had batting practice, and, and kind of took a look at the ball field. And it was a maze. I mean, just like a little kid and, uh, going to a candy store, you know, which I had bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, and ready to go, and that's how we were. Uh, we were looking all around. Uh, how in the world can anybody build a place like this, make it out of an indoor ball field? And they did, and we loved it. What was Judge Roy Hoffines like? He was kind of a mythic figure in Houston. You had a chance to meet him and be around him. What was the judge like? For number one, the judge was great. Number two was he was a man that uh, had a vision, and the vision came true. Uh, he wanted the Astrodome to be built, and it was. And I think that uh, all the ball players really thoroughly enjoyed him and respect him a great deal. I feel back then that if, if the Dome was not built, uh, there would not have been a professional baseball team here in Houston Maine because of the heat and, and the humidity. So the Dome was a welcome sight. We loved it. I still love it, and I just hope that everything goes well. When you saw Mickey Mantle hit the first home run, did you just think, well, that, that figures Mickey would be the one to hit the first home run? Well, no, I thought maybe one of us would uh, would do that uh, for, for an honor, but uh, we are glad that Mickey Mantle did it. And the reason why he did it was because he batted first. And anytime anybody bats first, the first pitch is going to be a fastball right down the middle of the plate, and that's what he hit. I want to take you back when you were younger because – 
just a few days ago, we were celebrating Jackie Robinson's uh, anniversary. And that happened when you were five years old. First, I want to ask you, do you remember that? When was the first time that you kind of remember knowing about Jackie Robinson? Probably when I was looking at a movie and uh, real, not, not five years old, but I think my father took me to a movie and talked to me about Jackie Robinson, about the things that I wanted to do in life. And, and uh, he made it real clear. If you wanted to become a ball player, these are the things that you have to accept in life and learn about it and become a man. And that's exactly what happened. When you were with the Astros, Don Wilson, I believe, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't he the first player to, the first time a black and white player with him and Kurt Bleffery, they were the first full-time roommates as a black and white player. Do you remember that? Oh, definitely. When, when Kurt came over from Baltimore, he was, uh, he was very insistent in what roommate he wanted. He wanted Don Wilson, which was a black ball player, and Kurt Bleffery was a white ball player. And nothing could uh, curtail that. That's what he wanted. That's what he got. And being a uh, part of the ball club like I was back then, we handled it pretty well. And uh, wasn't nobody, you know, didn't nobody care about anything. So we were very happy about the whole situation. What was the reaction in Houston at that time? Were they understanding of what was going on? Were you guys nervous at all about the situation as far as the fact that they were doing this? Or just as yourself... As an African-American at that time, were you nervous about being in Houston? No, we were not worried about anything. Uh, we were ball players. We were family. We stuck together. We played together. We ate together. We did everything together. And we were not concerned. At least I wasn't concerned about uh, uh, Don and Kurt uh, roommate, you know, being roommates. All we wanted to do was play ball games and win ball games and hopefully bring a pennant to Houston. And that's something that we didn't do, but we thoroughly enjoyed what we did. Do you have any thoughts on what they should do with the Astrodome at this point? You're really hoping, I assume, that they somehow figure out a way to, to keep it around. I hope they uh, keep it around because it's, a, it's, it's part of history. It's part of Houston. And uh, Judge Rahoffan, like I said, was an uh, uh, engineer, part of, you know, being part of what he did, his dream. I'm just hoping that it's there around. I hope the people understand that uh, you know, if you tear down the dome, you're tearing down history. One of the things I forgot to ask you about, but there was astronauts throwing out the first pitch that night. You got to meet some of those guys, I, I would assume. You know, that was a big deal then. You know, when you were growing up, there was no space program, and all of a sudden they're talking at this time. You're in Houston. They're talking, we're going to go to the moon. Oh, yeah. Um, we, we were happy about everything. Matter of fact, the astronauts, we had President Lyndon Johnson throw out the first pitch. Yeah, matter of fact, he stayed for the whole ball game. We had all kind of dignitaries around the state of Texas join us in 1965 in the opening of the Dome. And if you saw the highlights, uh, the balls flying everywhere, you know, and we're just fortunate and lucky that a baseball did not hit any of the players. What's your favorite memory from playing at the Astrodome? Oh, there's a lot of things. Like I think uh, becoming a young kid, my dream came true of being a ball player, hitting three home runs. Being a, uh, not a participant, but a uh, kind of like a groupie when the All-Star game was here. And, uh, you know, I, could, I can go on and on, but just those things. I understand Hank Aaron once said that uh, he felt one year you deserved the home run title. He had hit a couple more home runs, but he was playing for Atlanta at the time, and that ballpark was known for giving up some home runs, and you're playing in the Astrodome. What did it mean when you hear, hear Hank Aaron say, hey, that's the real home run champion? 
Oh, it made me feel good, really. I mean, it made me feel like I'm, I'm sitting on top of the world. But it's always, it's always nice to come into second place to Hank Aaron and the rest of the home run hitters. We had the Richie Allen, uh, Johnny Callison, we had Willie Mays. Uh, none of those guys uh, hit more than, I guess, a little less than 30 home runs. But I'm very proud. Hank, uh, matter of fact, Hank called me and told me that he was not going to play the last game of the season. But somehow the um, the commissioner found out about it and ordered him to play, and that's why he hit the last two home runs of the season. That's Astros legend Jimmy Wynn. Thank you so much for joining us, and great to have you here uh, on a night like this and to be able to celebrate the 50 years of the Astrodome. Oh, Robert, thank you very much. Wynn swings and drives deep into left field. Look at this one go, everybody. Up to the scoreboard. It's over the scoreboard, bouncing up onto the freeway. I can see it up there where those automobiles are going. Look at that drive. You talk about a tape measure shot. That has got to be the longest home run I have ever seen hit in Crosley Field or hit out of it. Look at Jimmy Wynn. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.